Drive gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. the Tiger. Just call me Is Zion gonna want out soon? Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courts of Heat, CourtsofHeat.com. And today, we are back with another podcast episode. I am your host, Josh Unix. And thank you for tuning in to the Courtside Heat podcast. Whether you're new or just um, a returning listener, we are happy to have you as we are approaching the NBA trade trade deadline like crazy. We're only a few months, uh, we're only a few weeks away from now, which is crazy. And all the rumors, all the speculation, and even some reports are coming out. It's just crazy to hear some of the kinds, some of the hard passing notes, maybe something intriguing that's still on the table, and so much more. Um, guys, as always, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Rumble, YouTube, and all of those different platforms, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever else you get your podcasts from. We are there. And guys, do not forget, we are finally on TikTok. Find us at TikTok. Um, I guess it's like TikTok.com slash at Courtside Heat. Or if you got the app or you like doing it on your computer or just from the internet, I guess, whatever device you have, just go to TikTok.com and just put in the name. Just put in Courtside Heat. And also... If you're a Twitter person, we got you covered. Just go to Courtside Heat on Twitter. Same with Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is going to be Courtside Heat NBA. Again, that's Courtside Heat NBA for Instagram.com. For Facebook, we have Courtside Heat. Just go to Facebook.com slash Courtside Heat. And then for our Tumblr users, just type in Courtside Heat. And boom, bada bang, you will find us there. Also, guys, we're adding new things to store. Go to courtsaheat.store or just go to courtsaheat.com slash store to get all the latest products. You will not want to miss it as we have from retro cards, from old time cards, new time cards, rookie cards of any kind, including K Cunningham cards, Jalen Green, Jalen Subs, Evan Mobley cards. We have t-shirts, we got hoodies, we have starting lineups, McFarlane's, um, and all these different cool stuff, signed autograph stuff that you would love to have, PSA 9 cards, I like the JSTM card, who's been going off for ridiculous stats, so yeah guys, do not miss your chance to save huge. And before we get into today's podcast episode, I did not realize when I sent out uh, the podcast episode for yesterday, right, um, January 26th, that we were coming up on the second year, I guess, anniversary of 
Kobe Bryant's death. So I did not realize. Of course, I posted to social media about that. Go check that out on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. Whenever you can, because it's, pre it's pretty cool. Um, I was promoting uh, the tribute video again. Just getting that back out because... Man, I just... I for I forgot he died on or passed away, um, tragically, with six other people, including his um, daughter, on January twenty sixth. So that was crazy because my phone was blowing up with Kobe Bryant stuff, and I was like, "Wait, what's going on?" And then I found out that this was his second year. Uh, I guess sec can you call it your second two two year anniversary? Two years since. No, I'm just gonna go. I don't know if anniversary come off with the wrong, with the wrong perception, like the wrong context. I don't know. But the two years since his death, um, in that tragic uh, helicopter crash. So, I just wanted to say something on this episode, as when I recorded the episode and put it out yesterday, I did not include it because I forgot. Until later today when my phone's blowing up about Kobe Bryant and remembering uh, Kobe Bryant in that uh, sadly tragic moment. Now guys, um, real quick, before we jump into Game of the Day Recap Edition, I'd just like to say, my predictions for the Suns to win were spot on. I said Suns were going to win and we won. It may have been one of the most hard games to ever watch because I thought the Suns were going to lose with five minutes to go. I was on the verge of crying because it, it was just so painful at times. I'm not even kidding you guys. I thought it was very painful to watch. Maybe that, that was just me. I, I don't know. Because when I was watching, and you had some good moments, um, Devin Booker went off for a huge game, double-double in points and rebounds, like a 45-point game, 43, something like that, and he just had a huge game against the Jazz, that was the rematch game, and now since we're heading into our game today recap edition, I have one game that's top-notch, then I have... Um, of course, the Hornet. I have a runner-up game, which will be the Hornets, because I was about to say their name. But, the number one game is going to be the Bucks against the Cavaliers. What I say, guys, what I tell you all yesterday on yesterday's podcast, the now 30-19 Cavaliers beat the Bucks. Yes, the reigning NBA champs by 16 points, 150. Excuse me, 115 to 99. And that's with Giannis Middleton and Bobby Portis all scoring 20 plus points. Um, and then of course we see Drew Holiday, 32 minutes, bombing as he was 2 and 9 from the field, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, but still, I, I don't see how the Bucks can lose that. But great. Great job for the Cavaliers, because Evan Molipup, 16.7 rebounds, Dean Wade put up 10, J. 
Jared Allen put up 10-10. You saw Darius Garland 19-86. Then C.D. Osman having himself a game. Having himself a ball-out performance of 23 points. And Kevin Love, even though he's getting older and the critics are riding on him, scored 25 points and got 9 rebounds, which is huge. And then Rajon Rondo, 5 assists, 5 points, and so forth. Just what a win for that team. Shooting 47% from the field, 45% from beyond the arc, 82% field goal uh, free uh, free throw lies, 41 rebounds total, 27 assists, free blocks, 7 steals, only 12 turnovers, beating out Milwaukee's 19 turnovers, uh, 32 points, it was down to Milwaukee's 46, but still, and both had the same personal fouls, which was 19. But anyways, that that's incredible. So with the dominant win over the Bucks. The Cavaliers are pulling themselves within a game and a half of first place in the East. The Eastern Conference could be the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're going to be in the first for the first time in a long time, especially by LeBron James. They're a game behind the Bulls. Take note of that, as now you see the Cavaliers 30-19-8-2 in the last 10. That is huge. Like, that is huge. You cannot make that up. You just can't. Because that that's the number one game. That's that's the game that... That was not a front-runner, uh, runner-up game. That's legit. You're able to beat a, um, a conference rival, if you will. You're able to be, defeat a champion-caliber team who is healthy. Come on. And you were the underdogs in that game. And you came out with a win. So that is a huge, huge, huge deal. As our next game will be Sunday, January 30th, 4 p.m. Against Detroit at Detroit. And of course, they get a quick uh, brief route home on Monday. But a quick turnaround. So a brutal back-to-back until the next game, February 2nd against the Rockets. For their two-game away stand. Now, even though the Bucks and the Cavaliers game took the kick, took the ultimate prize for today's recap edition, the runner-up game was Hornets against the Pacers, and the number one player that impressed me the most was not LaMelo Ball, was not anyone else on that team, but besides um, Kelly Oubre Jr. with 39 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. Why is that important? It's not because Lamelo's Ball's uh, triple-double, even though that helped. It's not because Charlotte put up 158 points, which is a lot. Because the Hornets did set a franchise point record and blow a win over Pacers. And Blow's being generous. But because... Kelly Oubre Jr., why did I just have an accent on that? But Kelly Oubre Jr. was able to have a career-high night. Let me say that again. The former Phoenix Suns player had a career-high night. 
I believe in points. Talk about, talk about, just talk about that for a second. But that is huge. Like, that is huge. He was putting up great numbers as just seeing what Kelly Oubre did was amazing. And I'm sorry, it was not career high in points. But he had a 39-point masterpiece. Like, you're not going to want to beat that out. That is huge. 12-18 from the field. That is, that is perfect. But he, I think it was like a season high. This probably, was, this probably was a season high for Oubre. Now that I'm thinking about it. But Ball had 29-13-10. That triple-double. Miles Bridges had 22. Rozier, Scary Terry had 20. Then you put in James Booknight at 13. And of course, Oubre taking it all at 39. Guys, talk about dominance. The first quarter was very close. In fact, the Pacers were winning 36-33. And then it all came crumbling down. It just came all crumbling down. When you win by 32, that is called dominance. And now it is an away game. So Rick Carl's team is now 17-32. and 32, while James Borrego's team is now 27 and 22. And that, to conclude, was the runner-up Hornets versus the Pacers. Um, let me check when the Hornets' next game is. I want to say it's a home game, but I'm not too sure. And it will be a home game tomorrow against the Lakers. More on that game near the end of the podcast. As the Hornets will be taking on the Lakers. And then... The Clippers to finish off their homestand before they have a quick turnaround at and their away game at Boston. And of course, they're gonna have a lengthy homestand against the uh, Cavs, Heat, Raptors, and then the Bulls. So that will be exciting as now they're just going back and forth on a few games at home, a few games away, and then whatever games are going back and forth for short stints. So guys, that concludes game of the game today recap edition where we had the Bucks Cavaliers take the ultimate prize, and of course we had the runner-up second place, but still very cool in its own respect. Now, guys, we are getting into the next segment, recapping the news of the day. This is what's been coming across my desk. Are you ready? And that is simply starting off. With this, the Los Angeles Lakers, yes, the same team that's choking it. The Lake Choke is doing it. I'm sorry, had to do that. But all jokes aside, the Lakers are unwilling to include their 2027 first round pick for John Wall. Now, you may be saying, what's so special about a 2027 first rounder? Because we're many years away. No one realizes, um, it's five years away, five seasons away, right? So, you got time. But here's the deal. Because the funny part is, Westbrook could be going back to Houston, where it didn't have great success, but he would get a jump ball. So, here's the thing. Houston's, Houston is interested in a trade of Wall for Westbrook. 
but only if they're incentivized to do so. Meaning, it has to be better than what's being offered. That's Houston's side. But now the Lakers are convinced that John Wall, the former Washington Wizard who took two years off due to injuries, made with the Achilles, that the John Wall will not be a meaningful upgrade. Plus, they don't want to pay a premium to move on from Westbrook as soon after sending a number of assets to the Washington Wizards for him. Because you got to remember, the Wizards got an exchange for Russell Westbrook, many players like Montrose Hero, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, and maybe one other guy. Think about it. You would be dumb to give that up because of how much you invested. You probably gave it a pick in there too. All for Westbrook. That would be hard to swallow if you're the Rockets. I'm sorry, if you're the Lakers. You gave up all of that. You gave up all those assets. Just get John Wall. And you're not even interested yet. You're not convinced it's going to be a meaningful upgrade. And I was just running this debate in my head or this little uh, what if scenario. scenario. What if John Wall won't be as great as what they anticipate or that they're, they're just not full on board and he's not a meaningful upgrade? What if John Wall is going to turn out to be Russell Westbrook just with a different name and a different label? Think about it. You invested so much in the Westbrook that he killed everything. The Wizards by far won that trade because of how much of a bum Westbrook is this season. Now, you're faced with the dilemma of getting rid of him, but then throwing away all those assets that you gave just to get this player. For Wall, that you're not convinced will be a meaningful upgrade. And what if he's not? What if he can't produce? What if he gets an injury? What if he gets into the COVID-19 protocols, the health and safety protocols, right? These are things you have to look at because these could help the Lakers or they can't. And the Lakers can't afford any more uh, mistakes. Like, it would hurt them more. Yes, they have Anthony Davis back. But here's the thing. You have to do something because... The Lakers are still hopeful. They have hope. They have faith that Westbrook can have a successful second half of the season. But if you trade for John Wall, Houston's got to be happy with it, and the Lakers have to feel confident. But what if? And I'm trying to talk this out with you guys because I'm still trying to process all of this, right? I don't know. Because what if, let's say, let's say you trade away Russell Westbrook for a minute. You come terms on that, you get John Wall. Let's just say you just get John Wall. Let's focus on him for a second. What do you do? You try to keep him for a season, for two seasons? Because you can't give up a huge asset that many teams would clamor to have, would love to have. They get rid of after a season. So you are done enough damage by trading away multiple good assets to get one good asset, then when that asset isn't working, you trade away that asset all the way down to Houston for 
a potential asset that could blow up in um in LA's face. That's that's pain right there. Like what if? Like, I'm trying to understand this because when I'm when I'm looking at this, I say it's risky. Because I'm always gonna go back to that. The Lakers cannot choke this away. The Lakers cannot afford a boo-boo. They cannot afford a mistake. They just can't. At one point, do you just say we have to stick with Westbrook? Because you're going to give too much up for maybe a bust of a second half with a player that's not going to be what they saw. It's not going to provide fruitful rewards. It's going to give you the wrong fruit, the nasty fruit, but it ain't going to give you the good fruit. They're 24-24 right now. They're ninth. They're in the playing tournament right now. The Pelicans. Or or six or five and a half games away from where the Lakers are at. They could tie up with the Lakers at five and a half games. The Pelicans. That's sad. But there's always going to be something interesting. Like, what do you do? Then if you're Houston on the other end, why would you take back Westbrook? I get John Wall is not the greatest player in the world. But now, would you want to have Westbrook back saying, okay, maybe it didn't work out with James Harden. You bring him back, see what you can do with Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, all those guys, Kevin Porter Jr., right? Maybe you work something out. Maybe Eric Gordon's gone. But let's just say you bring back Russell Westbrook. Let's say you want to try to experiment again. Maybe you, Maybe Silas can do something. Because they're trying to turn around their season too. Because already... John Wall and the Rockets have mutually agreed to part ways. To find a trade, John Wall will still uphold his bar, uh, his side of the deal by playing and trying to still help the team and try not to cause distraction, right? He'll do his role, as he did for the past two years with the Wizards, right? Try to be that support, supporting cast crew, a supporting member, right? I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm looking at this. If the Lakers aren't willing to give up a first rounder five years from now, shouldn't I tell you all that we need to know? I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. That's going to be very interesting. Something that's also interesting is this. So the 76ers are finally coming in. They came to the Kings with this offer. So the 76ers are willing to give up Ben Simmons to the Sacramento Kings, who is by far and away one of the most sorriest teams in the NBA, in this association, who fired their head coach because they wanted someone else to blame. So all the Kings have to do, and this was not accepted or denied, all they have to do is give up multiple first-rounders and Tyrus Halliburton. I don't know the years. I don't know how many. But you're going to give up the young athletic player, Tyrus Halliburton, and a few multiple draft picks. First-rounders for Ben Simmons. That's the asking price from Philly themselves, from Daryl Morey. 
Now that's very interesting. That that to me is very interesting. Would the Kings accept? You're telling me you can keep De'Aaron Fox, you can keep Buddy Healed, you can still try to mix together the pieces. You can keep um oh who's who's the big guy? Who, oh come on, who's the uh, who's the big man there? I know. Oh Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I just remember now as I pulled up his uh, roster. You get to keep the uh, okay. So the bomb Tristan Thompson is still there, but um Marvin Bagley. You could try to trade away Marvin Bagley too. Take his, uh, take the bum out of there too. It will be very interesting, cause you want to give your point guard though, who's averaging a steady fourteen points, close enough to fourteen points, forty six percent from the field, seven assists, and almost four rebounds. Who would be the backup point guard? Gavin Mitchell, rookie, who's averaging nine points, thirty. 9% from the field, free assisted, two rebounds, but he just came off a 20-point game against the Atlanta Hawks um, yesterday. It's interesting when you think about this. Would you do it? Would you be willing to say, can we win with the defensive force that is brought by Ben Simmons? Can he translate what he did in Philly before he walked out on the team and bring it to Sacramento? Can you take it all the way down to California for us? That to me is interesting. I don't know how I feel about the trade. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I see you guys be doing yourself a great service because you gotta remember, Ben Simmons. Now, I've talked about his athletic play before. i talked about his skills. I don't like his professionalism. I don't think he has any. But his skills, he has many. And he's an athletic, tall point guard. He's a guard that's huge. His wingspan is huge. He can throw and help. He can throw and help. I would say do it, but we have to know the years here. We have to know how many first-rounders you want. And if there's going to be any strength you tax. Then let me say, let's say this. What if the 76ers and the Kings come to an agreement like, okay, let's start talking. Let's start these, let's progress these trade talks. What if the 76ers are like, we'll send you Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, but in return we want free first-round draft picks, tires how it burned, and Marvin Bagley Jr. I'm sorry, the third. Would you do it? Would you guys, where you're sitting at right now, let's say you were the active GM, the gentleman of, of the Sacramento Kings, and you had a decision to make, and now it's the trade presented to you, that offer that was presented to you, would you accept or would you decline it? That's very interesting. Because let's say you get Tobias Harris, you get Ben Simmons, but you offload Marvin Bagley the third and Tyrus Halliburton. Tyrus Halliburton will be the real kicker, but you're getting back Ben Simmons, who's experienced, who's more athletic, and is still growing. But he's still, but he has that point where his skills are more, um, are more powerful or more useful. And it won't take years of development, right? He's still growing. He's still progressing. 
But with Ben Simmons, he just got to learn not to be afraid and actually shoot the ball. If you work on that, you'll be gold. I truly believe that. But would you do it? Because you know Philly's also trying to offload Tobias Harris. You know that's what they're doing. But would the Kings want to absorb Tobias Harris's contract? Would they want to absorb the kind of player Tobias Harris is? Because let's make no mistake. He's making $32 million in one season. He's averaging 18.6 points, though, and 7.5 rebounds, and close enough to 4 assists, coming off a 33-point game against the Pelicans. Would you do it? Would you take the 29er? Would you do it? He goes to free agent in 2024. His average salary is $36 million. No matter he signed that huge contract where the $180 million are guaranteed. So if he decided to end his career, if there was a career-ending injury, he get the money, right? Would you do it? If it was presented, the Kings had to give up three first-rounders, maybe two first-rounders, if they get lucky, Tyrese Howard and Marvin Bagley the third. But in exchange, they get Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and maybe a second rounder in the next few years, would you take that? If I'm the if I'm the 76ers, I would. If I'm the 76ers, I would. Because now you're giving more pieces for Joel and B to play around with. You get rid of the headache Ben Simmons. You get rid of Tobias Harris. You'll be able to get Tyrus Howburn which would be a great guard, a great playmaker for Joel Embiid. Take the pressure off of him a little bit. You get Marvin Bagley. Hopefully, he can adapt with Philly. Give him another big man. Give him just more depth on the chart, right? See what you can do. It would be very interesting. And who would win that trade? I don't know. But while we're on the 76ers, I'm going to take a pause now. I'm going to swap over to Nets and the 76ers because a lot of rumors... Speculate, speculation, and all of that kind of stuff was popping up about James Harden and the 76ers and if there's a link. We talked about him yesterday about James Harden being frustrated and he's going to test out his options of free agency. Well, that is going to be the most likely case as the Nets are not will not be looking at any trade offers. For James Harden, when the trade deadline comes rolling around. So when the NBA trade deadline comes rolling around, the Nets are shutting him down. They're not going to listen to one trade offer. So that means Daryl Morey is going to have to make a play on him come free agency, come this upcoming offseason, which we're many months away from. But think about it. Daryl Morey would not have to deal with a trade. He can directly go to Harden's agent, Harden himself. Wouldn't that be interesting? So, maybe that's also why we're seeing um, the, the 76ers toning down the asking price of that trade, that potential trade. Maybe that's the reason why. 
Because you get rid of Ben Simmons, you get in our guard and James Harrison, um, James Harden is in the offseason. You, you, you get Tyrese Halliburton too, potentially Marvin Bagley. Maybe get rid of Tob Tobias Harris. You get so many more first-rounders. You get the help in the draft. But you're adding pieces for the ultimate championship caliber team. For the championship contending team. It makes sense. And it's very, very interesting when we're looking at it. I find that interesting. Because I believe that by the Nets not making him available for trading purposes, which is smart, so you can't offer him anything, and, and they're able to salvage the season still. They're still able to keep key pieces. I say it's forcing the 76ers hand to trade Ben Simmons before or right at the deadline instead of their initial plans of saving him for the offseason and Ben Simmons being all right with that, losing all of that mil uh, millions of dollars, all of that money. So that that actually makes sense. The Nets are forcing the or inadvertently, unintentionally forcing the hand of the 76ers to trade away Simmons to make room for the offseason for Harden because Daryl Moore and James Harden are probably very close. Daryl Moore speaks very highly of. James Harden, and it seemed like Harden enjoyed his time in Houston before everyone split their ways. I just find that interesting. Interestingly, I find that very interesting because now it could be like, okay, come next season, we you guys can have a caliber team that can go for a championship, a top-notch team, a high-caliber team, which would seem like a no-brainer. If you're looking at this for a long-term solution, a long-term stand, this seems like the perfect time. This seems like the perfect gig. It seems like the perfect opportunity. Now, will it unfold that way? Maybe, maybe not. But also, what you're saying to yourselves, if we're able to offload on Tobias Harris, and let me take this thing up a notch. What if you get a third team? You get a third suitor that's going to come in. And say, okay, we'll take Marvin Bagley from the Kings, or we'll take Tobias Harris from the Philadelphia 76ers. They're going to work all this stuff out. Everyone's able to free up uh, cap space. And now the 76ers now have extra money in the bank to get the players that they want this season before the trade deadline. And then in the offseason, that's also something. So now you're being financially smart, and you're planning for the future financially and looking at the roster and seeing, okay, what adjustments can we make? And I bet you that's going for the mind of Daryl Moore. I bet you that that front office of Philadelphia is going through their entire roster, looking at the future, looking at the money-wise, looking at everything they want, and they're still considering having that commitment to James Harden by trying to lure him over the Philly, the pub with uh, Joel Embiid. That would be interesting. Now, I'm going to switch this all up again. I'm going to go back to John Wall because we're still in the trade rumors. And now we're going to get to the buyout market in in essence. And we're going to talk about free agency too. This is, this is all being mashed together. I hope you guys are following along because I've lost myself. Thank goodness I have show notes because if I didn't, 
I would be here at the 40 minute mark, or soon to be 40 minute mark, having no idea what to talk about. So, John Wall, if he becomes a free agent, if he's if his contract is bought out, he becomes a free agent, or if someone's able to work out a deal, we could see both the Clippers and the Heat have serious real deal interest in John Wall. This is not fake interest. This is very real interest, which is very interesting. Imagine what the Clippers can do. Imagine what the Heat. They'll just be another piece for both teams. Imagine John Wall, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. And, of course, right in the mix of Luke Kennard, um, Coffee, all those different guys, right? Man, right? The Heat. You have all that talent. Jimmy Butler, Tyre Hero, um, Kyle Lowry, Patrick Williams, all those different guys. Bama Bio. That would be interesting. That would be very, very, very interesting. So I'm looking at the roster. You also getting back Victor Oladipo. What would be interesting? That would be very interesting. Because what position's that? So he's a point guard. Miami's point guard's Tar Hero. But if you get John Wall, you can make Tar Hero coming off the bench, still get him star like minutes, make him come off the bench, and allow for John Wall to be the star, or vice versa. That would be very, very interesting. Because who's the backup point guard? Technically, Kyle Lewis is starting one, but you guys get where I'm going. They're feeding off each other. Kyle Guy would be the true backup to both of those guys. That would be interesting, because you're all guards. So you can have first and second unit backcourts being on fire. That would be very interesting. But also, the Heat has become one of the most persistent teams to be in this speculative trade for Christian Wood. So this also goes back to the Rockets too, who could be losing Christian Wood. Former Detroit Piston who proved himself in the final 17 games, whoever was in the final blank amount of games with Detroit to get himself to Houston and now could be going to the Heat. What would that even come like? Would that cause like Victor Oladipo? I also don't give up on our hero because people are saying he's playing out of his mind. I have my reservations about him, but he's he's a decent basketball player. I like him. He's good. He's good. Like the Heat are getting into many waters, many I guess hot waters where it could be like, oh, could they be going for Christian Wood? Could they be going for John Wall because of free agency trade, free agency buyout markets? Like, it's really crazy. Because, what if a deal doesn't go through with a wall for Westbrook? What if we see him become a free agent this season or in the offseason? It would be very interesting. In my opinion, that would become a very, very interesting scenario. Because, the Heat... So, the top teams I'm mentioning right now, 
that would be very interesting is the Heat, Nets, 76ers, and Lakers. Not so much the Nets, because they're going to be in an oh-boy situation very soon if James Harden leaves in free agency. If Kyrie is off and on still. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is going to be. It's going to be very interesting. So I'm going to roll the net real quick. But the heel will be interesting. They already got tons of talent. But just so you have so much talent. Okay, wait a minute. I got an idea. Okay. I'm just spitballing ideas here. I've looked at the cap space for teams. I'm going to spit this idea out. What if you're the Rockets? Will the Heat try to offload the huge contract of Bama Bob? Because I think the Heat are realizing that Bama Bob was a was a mistake to give such a huge contract. The twenty four year old who has a wingspan of seven one is not working out. I think they're finding out quickly. I don't know. He's only played twenty three games so far. I get it close enough to eighteen points, close enough to ten uh, rebounds, and close enough to four assists. Off of 52% from the field. But still. He's doing okay. Not greatest. But how much is contract? How much is contract? Come on. I need some numbers here. Show me the numbers. Yeah. Five years. 163 million. That's guaranteed. That's signing. So his average salary is 32 million. 32.6 million. He becomes a free agent in 2026. So the year 2026, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. What if you, along with Bama Bob, put some great assets in there, whereas cash, draft picks, or another player side player, right? You trade him to Houston. Houston, the Rockets give up Christian Wood and Eric Gordon or someone else. But let's just say it's mainly surrounding. Bama Bio to Houston, or then Christian Wood to Miami. Could that work? Could that theoretically work? Because Bama Bio's contract could be something very, very costly. I'm just looking at heat contracts. That's. That's something very interesting. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Because right now in the 2022-23 season, their highest paying payroll for that season is going to be $131 million. And a huge chunk of that's coming from two players. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. It's going to be very interesting. Oh man. Well, you want to try to offload that contract. Could you? Would you? Who knows? I would. Bama Bow is a good player. It's not worth $163 million for over four years. It's just not. Not in my opinion. Now, we could differ opinions. I'm alright with that, but tell me what makes him $163 million. It's like saying Michael Porter Jr., who's done for the season with back injuries, was worth that huge contract. DeAndre Ayman is worth that contract 
than than Michael Porter Jr. Probably Bam Bio. Simply because he's just better than those two. I just find that really interesting because when I'm starting to look at this as a whole and I'm breaking this down and I'm seeing all the different contracts and players and I'm just spitballing this to you guys. I'm just coming off the stuff off the top of my head. So as I'm trying to sink this out through, you guys are just listening to me. So I'm trying to get through this together. I'm just trying to get through this too. That, that would be very interesting. And then would it be something if other teams play off other teams? Meaning, well, the Lakers could mess up the 76ers plans where, or the 76ers could be messed up by the Nets plans that's forcing them to go in a separate route to get our trade done. And that's why they're trying to do it ignite with the Kings. I don't know why I want to keep calling the Kings Knights. I don't know. Sacramento's King, right? That to me would be interesting. And what do you do if you're the Lakers? Like, what do you do? Do you have to lean into what Houston wants? Houston's going to get what they want. It just depends if you want to go all in. Do you try to work up the Buddy Heel trade? Because Anthony Davis and LeBron James said the Rob Plank of GM of the Lakers not to go through with the Kings trade for Buddy Heel. And they wanted Russell Westbrook. And look at that bomb. Nothing. He's done nothing good so far in the first half season. Maybe I can switch over. I don't know. It's just so funny. All the what ifs. So crazy. I'm just taking the I'm just taking a step back and I'm like, wow. So really interesting. Yeah, we, we got a lot to consider. We have a lot, a lot to consider. But guys, to wrap up the segment call recapping the news today, and this is the heavy news day, a very complicated and many pieces trying to fit in like a five hundred piece puzzle. You don't know where it all goes, it just all connects. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting when that time comes around in the next few weeks. I think it's going to be like fair times for February 16th. I have to look again. But to finish off this segment, we have the Mavericks and Tim Hardaway Jr. So Tim Hardaway Jr. is officially out with a fracture in his left foot. Now, per Jeff Stotts of In Street Clothes, the typical recovery time for the injury is around 10 weeks. If that is the case, that's another shot to the heart for this Dallas franchise. Because they cannot stay healthy for the life of them. They had some dark patches this season. Just injury-filled, COVID-filled. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. So, that's not necessarily what you want to see. It's not good. And it hurts for Tim Hardaway Jr. Because he was not that bad. Truth be told, he just wasn't. Um, turn over his stats. He's out, he was averaging 14 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists per game off of 39.4% for the field. That's not bad. In 42 games so far, that is not bad. 
So yeah, it's just it's gonna be very interesting. What's gonna happen to that Dallas team? Because going off of Dallas real quick, I'm not gonna forget they could be in trade talks with Boston right now, with the Celtics right now, for Marcus Smart or any one of those players. Because again, like I said on yesterday's podcast episode, and like I said for our social media, the Celtics took a step back, they're evaluating their roster. And Marcus Smart, after eight seasons, dedicated seasons with the Celtics, I don't know if this to be true or not, could be on his way out. And if so, the Mavericks could be, that Dallas franchise could be securing a top big man. He could be, they could be getting a top guy. It could be getting a top guy in Marcus Smart, which will give great, help to Luka Doncic and whatever Kristaps Porzingis is worth, right? So very interesting, very, very interesting indeed. Now guys, we're going to shift gears real quick over to topic of the day, and that is Landry Shaman and the Phoenix Suns. Oh boy. So the question I want to... Ask everyone, as I'm going to be talking out loud and just going through it, is this. Is Landry Shamit worth $10.7 million per year for the next four years? That was the contract that Phoenix and Shamit agreed upon. Okay, real quick. Let me give you some numbers. Let me give you some numbers of this season. In the 2021, in year 2021, first year with the Suns, in 42 games and 20 minutes, he's averaged 7.4 points, 37.1% from the field, 35.1% from the uh, free point from beyond the arc, 1.9 rebound, one half assist, and zero and 0.5 steals and 0.1 block. What I've read to you is some of the lowest stuff in his entire career. This is a career low in points, in field goal percentage, in beyond yard percentage, and in blocks, right? You're just tied there with blocks. But field goal percentage is down by 3%. His worst field goal percentage came in 2018 with the Clippers. I'm sorry, 2019 with the Clippers. 53 games, he shot 40.4% from the field. His worst free point shooter, free point percent shooting other than this season came in 2019. At 37.5%. Boy. Something is wrong. He came. Into his sons. Energetic and ready to go. He was showing no mercy. And now. Halfway through the season. He's a guy. And here's a stat line. So here's from. January 6th. To January 26th. That's 20 days. I guess not a full three weeks, but we're going to call it three weeks, right? 
January 6th to January 8th, he didn't play in those games against the Clippers and then the Heat. Raptors, January 11th. This is at Toronto, by the way. In 14 minutes, he had six points. One of two from the field, and both of those shots went from beyond the arc. Two rebounds and two assists. January 14th, at the Pacers, at Indiana. In 20 minutes, he got eight points, but two of six from the field, and four and uh, one of four of those. Uh, he was one of four from the free point area, and he had one steal. January sixth, I'm sorry, January sixteenth, at Detroit against the Pistons in 25 minutes, 11 points, two of six from the field. Again, one of four from the free point lane. Oh, line. Five assists and one block. January 17th, at San Antonio against the Spurs. In 15 minutes, he had one point. Zero free from the field, and all those shots were attempted beyond the arc. Three rebounds and one assist. January 20th, at Dallas against the Mavericks, in 10 minutes, 0 points, 0 of 2 from the field, and all of them beyond the arc, 1 rebound and 1 steal. January 22nd, at home against the Indiana Pacers, in 16 minutes, he had 8 points, 6 of 3 from the field, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc, and one rebound. January 24th, at home, against the Utah Jazz. He had three points, one of five from the field, and all of his shots taken beyond the arc, and three assists. And then yesterday, January 26th, at Utah against the Jazz in a rematch game, 12 minutes, zero points. 0-1 from the field, all of those shots taken from beyond the arc. One rebound, one assist. Yeah. Is he, are those numbers worth 10.7 million per year? Are those 10.7 on average million dollars Per year worth it. Guys. It goes beyond stats. He's not performing. He not, he's not being productive. He's not being efficient. He's not being consistent. You're telling me. That. He's obviously taking more. He's taking three point shots. Like it's going outside. He's a three point shooter. Let's call him that. The last time he had a 50% from the field game was January 22nd. But from the 6th of January to the 26th of January, he was only able to get one game at 50%. And he's not taking more than six shots per game. He's taking less than. Guys, that's a concern. And two of those games... From the 6th to the 26th of January, he didn't even play it. And thank goodness for him. 
guys, guys, that's that's tough. So in that span from January sixth to January twenty sixth, he had he played in nineteen minutes, close enough twenty. He was thirty seven percent from the field, seven point two points. 1.9 rebound, 34.9% from beyond the arc, one half assist, um, half of a steal, and one tenth of a block per game. And the only time he got a block in those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, and in that 20 day span, came in January 16th at Detroit against the Pistons for one block. That was all. He's inconsistent. I'm not trying to bash on Landry Shaman. Is he better than Javon Carter? Maybe. But when I see Javon Carter step up yesterday for the Nets against the Denver Nuggets, and the Nets were shorthanded without Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden due to a hamstring, and I see Javon Carter get 13 points in like 24 minutes, and then I watch Landry Shamet in 12 minutes have zero points, attempt only one shot, one rebound, one assist. Okay, he didn't take many shots. You go back to January 24th, at home against the Jazz. 18 minutes. Got six or three minutes. Three points. One of five from the field, and it all came from beyond the arc. And three assists. Like, that's bad. No, 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 that's not good. That's bad. Like, Landry Shaman is not doing well right now. It's not good. It's not good. I'm not really impressed. Like, his pros, and I'm reading this on NBAScoutingLive.com, is this. He's a solid shooter from all over the floor. Not in his past, not in his 20 game span. No, I'm sorry, in his 20 day span. Adequate score off the dribble. Apparently not, unless he's just taking uh, 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 set shots. Excels at scoring on the move. Again, maybe he's just taking set shots. I don't know. Very good free throw shooter. Okay, I won't deny that one. Adequate playmaker. He's been inconsistent. And these are the pros, by the way. Decent rebounder for a player's size. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's not getting many rebounds. Decent defensive player. Kind of? Solid athlete. Let me get to the pros now. I mean, let me get to the cons. Blacks in the lead first step off the dribble. Clearly. Can struggle to finish plays in traffic. Struggles to guard quicker players. Does not collect enough steals or blocks. May need to get stronger. Is not over explosive. And then he just talks about uh, feet injuries, foot injuries. 
Guys, I'm just looking at these 20 days. And from January 7th, uh, from January 11th to January 26th is when he played. But I'm just taking these 20 games. I'm just 20, taking these 20 days. Guys, he's not showing any of those pros. He's inconsistent right now. He's lacking that. I don't know if he has no confidence shot right now. He's in this bad slump. That's apparent. But guys, that's not good. And I know I'm pointing out the obvious, but these are not numbers worth $10.7 million. Call it $11 million. These are not $11 million worth of stats. When I see 2021 Suns, 42 games, 20 minutes, and these are his worst averages yet in points, field percentage, and free point percentage, I know I have a problem. I know I have a problem. In the last time he got, he averaged two assists per game on a season. You have to go back to 2018 Clippers, to that LA franchise. That's when he averaged 2.3 assists. Blocks, I don't expect him to get blocks. He's 6'4. He's a guard. You're not, you're not expecting him to get blocks. Expecting the forwards and centers to get blocks. So I won't hold him accountable with that. But steals? Yeah. Mikael Bridges can be versatile and be athletic and get steals like that. So should he. For a million dollars, he should be getting two steals. Well, he's becoming consistent in that. Like in that 20-day span, in all those games, in those eight games, he's only recorded two steals. One on the 20th and one on the 14th of January. That's bad because let's say, okay, if the shooting's not working, why can't you be a playmaker? When Chris Paul's not on the, field, on the court, let me tell you something. Let me ask. Let me ask this question. You got this 24-year-old. Karen Payne's going to be out next for the next two weeks. You know you have to be relied on more. And you can't be a playmaker, you're a point guard for crown, you're a shooting guard for crown, you're a guard, you're a two-way guard. And you're telling me you can't do any playmaking to fun like from fundamentals to basics, you can't complete a stupid pass, you can't complete the most basic moves of playmaking, you can't you, you can't be serious. For 11 million dogs, I should be seeing free assists per game. But the only time he had more than free assists per game was January 24th and January 16th. And if my math serves me correctly, that's an eight game window. That's an eight game difference. And he had one, two, three, four games in between. That, and you remember those four games? Only got one assist combined for all four of those games. That's sad. Like, that's sad. Take in the January 24th game where you get the free assist in 18 minutes. January 26th game, one. Hold on. Okay, hold on. Against Spurs. That's also one, two. You are telling me. January 16th, we had five assists. You have to combine 
three games just to get the four assists? He's not worth $11 million. The way he's playing, he's a bum. He better get out of this. He's better get out of this slump. Because you're telling me. I read. I read on NBAScoutingLive.com. And this is very good. I like your site. Very, very, uh, very accurate. I, 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 I 100% agree with on the pros and cons. He's a very, he's an adequate playmaker. It's called good. You're telling me you can't get two assists in one game? I love this one at the end. Smart player has a good feel for the game. Obviously not. You're 6'4 and you're only taking freeze? Be a man. Take it in. Just drive to the hoop once. Take a jumper. Take a mid-range jumper. Just once. January 24th. One to fire from the field. All those from beyond the arc. January 20th. 0-2. Take all from the arc. Beyond the arc. January 17th, 0-3, takes beyond the arc. January 14th and 16th, he's 2-6 in both games. In 1-4, he was 1-4 from deep. January 11th, 1-2 from the field, all of those taken from the beyond the arc. Then I'm not going to count yesterday's game. Yesterday's game was pathetic. Took one shot. That's all. One assist, one rebound. Come on. I hate bashing on him like this. Because he was so good in the beginning. But he's in this dreadful slump. So please do not misconstrue my words and what I'm saying. But we need some more. The Phoenix Suns need a point guard that when Chris Paul's not out there and Karen Payne's injured, someone needs to step up. And this man ain't stepping up. I know Andrew Shamet is good. I know he's capable of. I like what I see, but not right now. Not in this 20-day period. It's pathetic. It's humiliating. It's beyond embarrassing. And it's a tragedy, tragedy just to see this unfold. Come on, you're pathetic. You're a great, he's a great player and all, but this is insane. I was watching that game yesterday, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with Landry Shaman? I know he's in a slump. I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't get to take a look at his stats. This is infuriating. This makes my skin want to just to crawl. It just this disgusts me. This infuriates me. This makes my blood boil. Like you don't know how mad this makes me. Cause you're telling me we get a draft pick and we're giving up forty-four million dollars to you for what? Just so you can have seven points per game. Shoot like garbage and expect us to be all right 
with your cruddy performance? This is pathetic. This is awful. You can't tell me. You're going to go in a 25-minute game, go 2 for 6. A 20-minute game, go 2 for 6. And the only time in this 20-day period you're able to get 50% from the field and 50% of your shots came from beyond the arc, beyond the free punt. Come on. Come on. Like, this pains me to see. This, this pains me to see it. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think I'm overreacting? Do you think I'm overreacting? For roughly 11 million per year, do you think I'm overreacting? If so, guys, give me your feedback. Uh, give me your thoughts on that at court at the Courts Heat text line, which is 602-791-2108. I just can't believe this, man. I didn't realize it was that bad until I was looking at this. I am beyond mortified. I'm beyond frustrated. This makes me sick to my stomach. You're worth a million. Cody Zeller could put up better stats than you. And he's not worth a dollar. He's not worth what he's making. No disrespect to Cody. I'm frustrated, guys. I'm frustrated. Um, so that was topic of the day. That was a very depressing topic of the day. Great. Um, my frustration levels have shot up. Nice. So, guys, just transitioning out of topic of the day because that was one of the most horrific things ever. I didn't realize how bad the slump was. But, yeah, guys, getting, uh, getting out of the topic of the day. Uh, I'll let you guys have the debate is if Landry Sham is worth the $10.7 million per year for the next four years. Or what's going to happen? I don't know. But, guys, the game of the day to conclude this podcast episode, the game of the day, the watch out edition, there's only two games going on. I believe it's the Timberwolves. Warriors, then Lakers, 76ers, hold on, I want to be factual on what I just said, um, yeah, Timberwolves at Warriors, then Lakers at 76ers, the game that they to watch out for is the Lakers against 76ers, because if the Lakers could beat a banged up Nets, maybe that's the momentum they need uh, to beat the 76ers, get back on a winning track. I'm going to take the 76ers. I believe they're going to win the game. Plus, I hate the Lakers, so I'm always going to be biased against them. But in all honesty, guys, I'm saying I'm going to take the Lakers, uh, 76ers. So I think the Lakers are going to get beaten. Pretty bad, actually. That's my feeling. I'm going to see what Joel B can do tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to be watching that game tomorrow. So I'll catch the highlights as... Again, thank you guys for... Listening to today's podcast episode, wherever you're in your podcast from, again, just drop us a five star review, and we will be back here Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Enjoy your Friday, enjoy your Thursday today, 
go have some fun after work or if you have the day off worries. Just enjoy, kick back, relax, watch some sports. We got football coming up. We got basketball. If you're into college, check it out because I had to enjoy Arizona State games and Arizona games. It's brutal. Trust me. But besides that, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. And until then, I will catch you Saturday morning. And now let's have the podcast outro take us out now.